Chapter Seven, Part One of *The Nightland* by William Hope Hodgson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. *The Nightland*, Chapter Seven, *The Nightland*, Part One. Now, as I went towards the north and west, I steered me warily for a great while, that I come safe of that great watcher of the northwest and as I made forward I put thought to all matters which must concern me, so far as I had imagining to see. And first I did consider the speed that I should keep, and found presently that I did well to be moderate. For that I had before me a great and mighty journey, and indeed who might speak knowingly of the end thereof? And another matter I did arrange, for I would make the times of my goings forward and the times of my eatings and sleepings all to a wise and regular fashion, that thereby I might go a great way with the less harm to my body, so that I should be strong when the need did come for my strength. And I made in the end that I should eat and drink at every sixth hour, and at the eighteenth hour sleep me until the twenty-fourth and by this means did I eat thrice in that time and have six hours of sleep. And this seemed very good to me, and I did strive always to manage thus in all my great journeying in the nightland. Yet, as may be supposed, there were times oft and many when I must watch without ceasing, and leave my slumber unto the future, for the land was full of grim and dreadful perils and, as doth be human, I break my rule straightway in the beginning. For I cease not to walk for one and twenty hours, hiding and creeping, as the need be in those places that were like to show me unto the watcher. And when I did think upon food, it did sicken me, so that I would eat by and by, as I made it within my thoughts. But when one and twenty hours had gone, I grew very weary, and something faint, and was forced that I look about for some place where I might have rest. And in a little while I did see a way off, a small fire-hole, the like of which I had passed odd times even so early. And I made to come nigh to that part, for there would be warmth from the chill of the nightland, and mayhaps a place dry and convenient to my slumber. And when I came anigh I saw that it was a cheerful place, as it might be said, amid so much gloom for the hole was but a few paces wide, and full of a dull, glowing fire, that did bubble somewhat and throw off a small sulphur smoke. And I sat me down at no great way, and did place the discos on the rock to my hand. And I moved not a while, but was a-weary, so that I had not the courage to eat, neither to drink, but must turn me and look back to the mighty pyramid. And in truth, Though I had come a very good space, yet was I so anigh to it, that I was both cheered and put out of heart, for it did seem close upon me by reason of its greatness, so that I, who had journeyed a hard and weariful way, was shaken with the greatness of the task that was upon me. Yet was this but one side of my heart, for it was good to feel the nearness of my mighty home and I knew that there did countless millions make watch upon me as I sat, yet did I make no sign, for it is not meet to make a constant farewell, but to go. Yet was it very strange to be thus near, and to show such behavior as were proper to one afar from all humanity. But so it was that I ordered my ways, 
for it did seem proper to me. Yet was I happy to know that the dear Master Monstruaken must, time and oft, have spied upon me through the great spy-glass, and mayhaps did watch me in that moment. And it grew in me that I did act weakly to hold off from mine vittles, and showed foolishness before my kind friend afar. And I did ope my scrip and take therefrom three tablets, the which I chewed and did eat. For this was a strong food, treated that it had but small bulk. Yet were they not filling to the belly, and I made that I would drink well, that I might feel that something was therein. And to this end I shook from a strong and especial tube a dust. And I caught the dust within a little cup, and the air did make an action upon that dust, as it were of chemistry and the dust did boil and make a fizzing in the cup, and rose up and filled it with a liquid that was of simple water, yet very strange to see come that way, but ordinary after a time. And in this way, as might be seen, I had such food and drink in but a little scrip that might keep life within me for a great time. Yet was it a way of discomfort, and lacking to the mouth and to the belly, but a sufficient thing unto the need of the body, and a good matter for a thankful heart, in that dark and hungry land. Now when I had eaten I did go over in their order those things which I did carry, for there was, beside the discos and that scrip of food, a pouch that did contain matters various. And these I did look into, and afterward did take out a small compass that I had been given by the master Monstruaken, so that I might find of its workings without the great redoubt. And he had said unto me that it might be that I should pass far off into the nightland and lose the mighty pyramid amid so great a country and so plentiful a darkness. Then, perchance, if that ancient principle did still lurk within the machine, though turn no more to the north but unto the pyramid, then should it guide my feet homeward out of the everlasting night and thus have once more that ancient use which, as I do know, is common unto this age. And this was a very cunning thing to have with me, if but it held service to the earth-current, and a rare thing which the master Monstruaken did make with his own hands and much skill and pains from an olden one that had place within the great museum, and concerning which I have told somewhat before this place. And I set the thing upon the ground, but it had no certain way with it, but did spin and waver constantly. And this I made to consider, and remembered, that I was yet above that part where afar in the earth did spread the greatness of the underground fields, and I was, haply, but a little way off from the crack, though a mighty way above. And it pleasured me to wonder whether the dear Master Monstruaken did behold how that I made test with the compass for the light was good from the fire-hole, and the great spy-glass had a great strength. Yet had I no certainty, for, as I did know from much watchings, there was no surety in the searching of the land by the glass. For there was oft plainness where you did think surely none should see, and anon a dullness where might be thought that the sight went gaily. And this may be plain to all, for the wavering of the lights from the strange fires was not to be accounted to rule, but made a light here and a darkness there, and then did change about oddly. Moreover, there were smokes and mists that did come upwards from the earth, in this place and in that, 
and had somewhiles a greatness, but oft were small and did lurk low, and had no power but to confuse the sight. And presently I did put by the compass in my pouch, and made to compose myself unto sleep. But here would I now set down how that, in the end, after I had gone many days' journeyings outward from the mighty pyramid, I did, indeed, find it to draw the northward part of the needle unto it, and this was a comfort and a pleasure to my spirit. Moreover, if ever I did get back, as I did think, it would be a matter for great interest unto the master Monstruaken, yet in verity were there other matters that should hold him more, for he was right human, as all should know. And, moreover, concerning this same compass, I did find a fresh thing, for after a yet greater time, as I shall set out in a due place, if I do but remember, which doubt is ever my fear to fret me, I came a mighty way from the redoubt, and lo, fearing that I might indeed lose that, my great home in the darkness of the world, I did pull out that strange wonder of the needle, that I might have comfort by its homeward pointing. And I did discover a new power in the night, for the machine did point no more directwards unto the great redoubt, but was a point unto the westwards, so that I had knowledge that some great power afar in the darkness of the world did sway upon it. And I had a childlike wonder that this might be in truth that same power of the north, of which the books and my memory dreams did tell. And, indeed, no doubt should there be upon this matter, yet who might not have doubt in that time, that they should perceive after an eternity that ancient northward force swaying that small servant unto an olden obedience? And it was, as it were, a revealing unto me, how that to know within the brain is one matter, but to have knowledge within the heart is another. For I had always known concerning this northward force, but yet had not known with the true meaning of knowledge. And yet one other matter there was to cause doubt, at that moment of this new knowing. For it came to me that maybe the power of that lesser redoubt did begin to act upon the machine, even as the earth-current of the great pyramid did hold yet a strong drawing upon the needle. And were this so, then did I not surely begin to stand anigh unto my journey's end, for that less power of the lesser redoubt could have no impudence to pull, say that I had come to a closeness with it. Yet in truth, as I do now have knowledge, it was the north that drew, and I do seem to make a great telling about this little matter, but how else shall I show to you mine inward mind, and the lack of knowledge, and likewise the peculiar knowings that did go to the making of that time, and the peoples thereof, which is but to say the same thing twice over. And now, as I did say, I made to compose myself for sleep, and to this end I took a cloak-matter which did cross my shoulder and hip, and wrapped it about me, and lay down there in the darkness of the night, by that strange fire-hole. And I laid the discus beside me, within the cloak, for it was, indeed, my companion and friend in bitter need, so that I had pleasure to feel the strange thing anigh to me. And as I did lie there, in those moments that do drowse the soul, as it were that they do proceed as breath out of the mouth of sleep, I had a half-knowing that the ether did surge about me. And I doubt not but that there had watched my every doing many of the millions, and had been humanly stirred at my commending of my spirit unto sleep 
and thus did shake the ether of the world about me with their unity of sympathy. And mayhaps I had some little knowing of this thing as I did pass drowsy into slumber. And it is surely like that I slept the better for it. Moreover, I was wondrous tired and worn, and thus did sleep very strong and heavy. Yet I mind me that my last dim thinkings were upon that sweet maid I did go to find. And in slumber did I have speech with her in dreams, and a strange happiness about me, and all seeming to be touched by fairy light, and freed from the sorrow of life. And it was from a sweet and lovely sleeping such as this that I was waked suddenly by a great and mighty sound, and I came instant to a possessing of my senses, and I knew that the mighty voice of the home-call did go howling across the night. And swift and silent I slid the cloak from about me and took the haft of that wondrous discos into mine hand. And I did look towards the pyramid quickly for a message, for I had a sure knowledge that there had a great need arisen, and that some terror came towards me out of the dark else they had never walked all the nightland to a knowing that an human was abroad out of the mighty refuge. And even as I did peer towards the great redoubt, I could not abide to keep my gaze entire that way, but did take a large and fearful look all about me, yet could make to see nothing. And so did stare, eager and anxious, afar into the upper blackness of the night, where did shine that final light of the Tower of Observation and the same while crouched and holding the discus and making to glance across my shoulders and to watch for the message and all in the same moment. And then, afar upwards in the prodigious height, I did see the great and bright and quick darting flashes of a strange green fire, and did know that they spelled to me in the set speech a swift warning that a grey monster that was a great grey man had made scent of me in the dark and was even in that moment of time crawling towards me through the low moss-bushes that lay off beyond the fire-hole to my back. And the message was sharp, and bade me to leap into the bushes unto my left, and to hide there, so that I might chance to take the thing to an advantage. And, as may be thought, they had scarce flashed the tail unto me, but I was gone in among the shadows of a clump of the moss-bush that did grow an eye and I sweat with a strange terror, and a cold and excited shaking of the heart, yet was my spirit set strong to conquer. And lo, as I did crouch there, hidden, I saw something come very quiet out of the bushes that did grow beyond the fire-hole, and it was great and crept, and was no ways coloured but by greyness in all its parts. And the glare from the fire-hole did seem to trouble it, so that it looked, laying its head to the ground and spying along the earth, in a strange and brutish fashion, that it might oversee the glare of the fire-hole. Yet I doubt that it saw beyond the fire with plainness, for in a moment it crept swift in among the bushes again and came out towards the edge of the fire-hole in another place, and this it did thrice unto my left and thrice unto my right and every time did lay its head to the earth and spy along, and did hunch its shoulders, and thrust forward the jaw horridly and turn the neck, as a very nasty beast might go wanton. Now, as you may think, this manner of the beast-man did shake my courage mightily. For I did think 
each time that it did go inward among the moss-bushes that it had made discovery of me and would make to take me in the back, from out of the dark of the bushes, and this was an uncomfortable thing to consider, as others might think also, had any been there in the bush with me. And then, in truth, did that same swift sense of mine hearing prove helpful to my saving. For, behold, the thing did go back into the moss-bushes, after that last coming out, and did seem to make as it had made a failing to discover me, and had no further intent save to return unto the night. And I had this thought truly in mine heart, and for maybe a minute, and then, lo, within my soul a voice did speak plain, and did warn me that the thing did make a great compass among the moss-bushes about the fire-hole, having made discovery of me, and it did go warily to take me in the back from the other side. Now when I heard this voice speak within my spirit, I had knowledge that the dear Master Monstruakin made watch from the Tower of Observation, and did send the speech with his brain elements, having in mind that I had the night-hearing. And I trusted the speech, for in the same moment of time there did beat all about me in the night the solemn throb of the Master-word, as that it had been added with speed to give instant assurance. And I leapt quick from that clump of the moss-bush unto another, and crouched, and made a watch all about me, and kept the ears of my spirit open, knowing that the master monstruakin did also watch all for me. And suddenly I saw a little moving of a bush that grew to the back of those bushes in which I had been hid, and there came out of the bush that moved a great grey hand, and moved the moss of the clump where I had been, as it were that something peered out of the moving bush and there followed the great grey head of the grey man, and the head went into the clump of the moss-bush where I had been. And I knew that I must strike now, and I leapt and smote with the discus, and the thing fell upon its side, and the great grey legs came out of the hither bushes, and twitched and grew upwards, but the head remained in the bush where I had been hid. And I stood away from the thing whilst it died, and in mine hand the discos did spin and send forth fire, as it were that it did live and did know that it had slain a great and horrid monster. And presently the grey man was dead, and I went away from those bushes unto the far side of the fire-hole. And I stood with the discos held high and spinning and sending out fire, that they within the mighty pyramid might know that I had slain the beast-man for it might be that it lay too much in the shadow for them to look upon. But the Master Monstruakin spoke not again to me, for indeed it was not meet to do so, except it might save me from a sure danger. For, as you may know from my past tellings, there were powers of the nightland that did hearken unto such matters, and it was like enough that there had been overmuch done, even thus for my further safety. Yet the thing could not be helped. And now that I was a little calmed and eased from my fear, I could know that all that the ether of the night was disturbed by the gladness of the millions within the great redoubt, so that it was plain how great a multitude had given note unto the fight, and their hearts to beat in sweet sympathy and natural fear, so that I did feel companied and befriended, though, as it may be thought, something shaken yet about the heart. Now in a little time I did gather unto me my wits and had myself to order, 
and I looked to see how the hours did go, and I found that I had surely slumbered through ten hours, and I reproached myself, for indeed I had slept oversound by reason of my having lacked a regular way and time, as I had with the proper wisdom made to be my rule and I resolved that I should obey the wit of my reason in all the future time, and make to eat and rest in due season, as you will wot that I did before intend. Then with a self-reproachful heart I went around the small fire-hole and caught up my cloak and other matters, and I turned me towards the great pyramid, and did look once upwards along all the great slope, where it did go measureless into the far blackness of the everlasting night and I made no salutation, for I had so resolved, as you will know. Moreover, I desired not to call forth any unneedful disturbance of the ether of the world, which indeed must be, did I make to stir the emotions of the millions. And I turned me then away, and went off into the night, going swift and cautious, and bearing the discourse cunningly, and almost, as it were, with a love for that strange and wondrous weapon that had so befriended me, and slain the foul grey man with one stroke. And I had a feeling that it did know me, and had a comradeship for me, and I doubt none will understand this, save it might be they of the olden days that did carry one strong sword always. Yet was the discos more than the sword, for it did in truth seem to live with the fire and the flame of the earth-current that did beat within it and it was well acknowledged within the great redoubt that none might touch the discos of another, for that the thing went crustily, as it might be said, in the hands of a stranger. And if any made foolishness of this knowledge, and did persist much to such an handling or making to use, the same would presently act clumsy with the weapon, and come to an hurt, and this was a sure thing, and had been known maybe in hundred thousand years, or perchance a greater time and by this it doth seem wise to believe that there did grow always an affinity between the nature of the man, which doth as ever include the woman, and the discourse that he did use in his practice, and because of this known thing, and that the place would elsewise be lumbered with olden weapons of those that did die, it was a law and usage that there was placed within the dead the discourse of the dead, there upon the last road in the country of silence, and was thus made to give back unto the earth-current the power that did lie in it. And this doth seem to a careless thinker, as it were, that I told once again those olden customs of the ancient folk. But this is otherwise, and had a sound reason to it. Yet, if you do so believe, I doubt not but that a right human sentiment was something at the bottom, which is proper. For it is meet that love should mate with wisdom to mother comfort in our sorrows, and it is a warm thing to do aught for our dead, and none may say nay to this. Now, as I did go onwards into the nightland, looking ever to this shadow and to that, it may be conceived how my heart would stir with swift fear at this and that, and that my body would oft quiver to leap aside, and as swift discover that naught assailed. And so did I go forward and always with imaginings and wonders concerning what manner of uncouth being or brute might come out of the darkness all about. Yet in all that time there was a certain proudness of the heart, that I did come safe out of the power of the grey man, and did surely slay him. 
But truly it were well that the praise be considered and not overmuch given unto me, for I had died as I slept, but that they of the great redoubt had made a watch over me and waked me unto my saving. Now presently, as I walked, I grew something faint, and had knowledge that I did foolishly, for indeed I should have eat after my fight, yet may I be forgiven for this forgetting, in that I had been much shaked and put about. And I sat me down in a little clear place among the bushes, and did eat three of the tablets, and did once more shake forth the dust that did turn in the air to a natural water by a proper and natural chemistry of these matters. And after I had eat, I sat a little while, and did think, and did look upwards at the great slope of the pyramid in the night. And all the time did I listen with mine ears and with my spirit, and kept the discourse across my knees, and looked this way and that, very frequent, but nothing came anigh. And so I rose presently, and went onwards, and walked for six hours towards the north and the west, and I made much to the west for a little, that I might come clear of the northwest watcher. Yet after a space I made to do foolishly, for I changed my mind about and kept something more towards the north, so that I should have a surer sight of that monster. And this was, in truth, a rash and naughty thing to consider. For if I were but seen, then should that grim brute make a signal unto the evil powers, and I be met swiftly with destruction. But surely the heart is a strange and wayward thing, and given to quick fears, and immediately unto great and uncountable rashnesses. And so I did go forward unwisely to the northward of a safe and proper going. And it may be that an influence was upon me and drew me thatwards, but who shall say? Now a great time I walked, and made a halt upon every sixth hour, and did eat and drink, and look a little unto the monstrous towering of the great redoubt, and afterwards make strong mine heart, and go forward again. And always I did go warily, and chiefly among the low moss-bush, but sometimes out upon stony ground, and oft across places where sulphur did puff somewhat from the ground in a low smoke, very strong in the nostrils, and not liked inwardly. And as I made onwards, I looked always to my right and to my left, and anon to the rear, yet made a constant observation of the mighty watcher that I did begin to draw nigh unto. And oft did I stoop to crawl, and my hands did bleed somewhat, but after I was troubled so, I put on the great gloves that made complete the grey armour, and so was shod proper to such journeying. And presently, when eighteen hours did have passed since that my sudden awakening to the peril of the grey man, I did search about for a place to slumber, for I would keep wisely unto my ruling, and go not over long lacking of sleep. And by this planning I should be the less like to sleep over sound, and so should set my spirit to listen whilst I did sleep, and by so much as my spirit should serve me with faith should I have safety and this thing is plain, and wants not more to the saying thereof. And I came presently unto a sudden place where the land did go downwards brokenly, as that it had been burst a great while gone by the inward fires. And I looked downwards over the edge of that place, and went round about it, and did see presently a ledge upon the far side, that was difficult to come upon, yet a place of some little safety to any that might go down to it, 
for it was awkward to see, and did any monster seek to come at me, I should have chance of warning, and might go downwards a greater way in time to my salvation. And by this determination I abode, and came down to that place with labour, but was cheerful of heart that I had found so sure a shelter. And I eat my three tablets, and drank the water that I did get from the powder, and so made to compose my body to sleep. Yet at this time a thought did come to me, and I made calculation afresh, and laughed somewhat at that my poor counting. For, indeed, I had thought to eat but thrice in the twenty and four hours, yet by my arranging I was made indeed to eat four times, as you shall see immediately by a little thought. And this thing came more strong upon my spirit than any might think, for I did eat overmuch for the lasting of the food though in verity it was but little to my belly, as you must all think, and have sympathy for my discomfort. And I considered a little, and had determined that I should afterwards in my journeying eat but two of the tablets to my meal, and this was a wise thought, and like much wisdom, a discomposing thing. And so it was, and I set it down that you may know the arranging of my ways at that time. Now in all this while of meditation I had been setting my cloak about me, and was fast set to my sleeping, for I had walked a weary way. And I lay me down upon my left side with my back to the rock, which did overhang me something above, so that I was contented to feel hid from things that might pass by in the night. And I had the cloak about me, and the discus close against my breast, within the cloak, and my head upon my pouch and upon my scrip. And as I lay thus a moment easeful, I could see that so mighty was the uprising of the great pyramid, that it was not hid from me even thus, but did stand upward into the night, and did shine, and was plain to be seen above the further edge of that deep place where I did lie. And I fell upon sleep, looking upward at that final light, where, as might be, the master monstruacan did bend the great spyglass upon my lonesomeness, as I lay there upon the ledge. And this was a thought of sweet comfort upon which to slumber, the which I did, but my spirit lay wakeful within my breast, and did listen through the night, and harked for all evil matters and things that did make to come anigh. But also my spirit did whisper unto Nani as I went into sleep, and so passed I into dreams. Now it may be thought that I did act with a strange valiance, in that I composed my body so properly to slumber, and with but a little trouble of the heart concerning the coming of monsters. And in truth this hath seemed somewhat so to me, thinking since that time. But I do but set the thing that is truth, and make not to labour to an illusion of truth, and so must tell much that doth seem improper to the reality yet must all bear with me, and have understanding of the hardness of setting forth with true seeming the honesty of truth, which in verity is better served oft times by timely and cunning lies, and so shall you understand this matter so well as I. And presently my spirit waked me there in the half-dark of the night, and I looked swift about me, and upwards, and saw nothing to fear. Then did I peer at my dial, and made to discover that I had slept full over six quiet hours, and by this I knew the reason of mine awaking, for it was so great impressed upon me by mine inward sense and being. And this you shall understand some ways, who have thought, ere sleep, 
to wake to a certain time of the morning, and by understanding shall you believe and give me all your kind harking and human sympathy. And I mean to have a smartness of going, which is ever hard to the newly waked. And I eat two tablets, and while my belly did cry out for an wholesome and proper filling, but I drank some of the water, and so did ease somewhat of my hunger. Then did I wind my cloak to its shape, and put upon me my gear, which was the scrip and the pouch and the discos to my hip, and I clomb out from that place of rest. Yet before I did come rightly up into the open, I peered about, and made some surety that no evil brute was anigh. And then I gat me out and stood upon my feet, and looked for a little upwards at the mighty slope of the great redoubt, which did seem yet very nigh unto me by reason of it being so monstrous in bigness. And I wondered whether in that moment the master Monstruaken did look down upon me with the great spy-glass. And afterwards I turned away swiftly and went on into the nightland, for it did always make me shaken with lonesomeness to look upon my great home. And so I did go forward with a strong and uncaring stride, but grew presently to quietness, and to have back the proper caution of my going. Yet had I not gone all foolishly, for I had taken the discus from my hip ere this, so that I possessed it handily. Now there is one matter which shall seem but a small and natural occurring unto you, yet was strong upon me in that time, and this thing was that I did begin now to see the nightland from the new outlooking of my distance from the mighty pyramid. And it was as that a man of this day did go from the earth to travel among the stars, and lo, should he not find them to shift upon his vision. So that the great bear, and this and that shaping of the star-clusterings, should make a new order, as he did wander onwards, and so should he find that there was naught that was truly fixed, as he did before then think, but all to alter according unto the place whence the looking and this thing shall be plain unto you, though no thought be put to the matter, for it is of an evident verity that doth need not argument to expound. And so shall you have memory of me, there a wander among those strange shapings and wonders of that grim land, the which I had never but supposed to seem but as memory did retain them, from the lookings of all my life within the great redoubt. And so it was and ever there did this thing and that open out to a new view, and the nightland take to itself a constant new aspect to mine eyes, which had never until that time had but the one fixed vision of the same. And you shall understand with me how that, when about the fourteenth hour of that day's travel, I did draw very nigh unto the monstrous watcher of the northwest, it did seem so utter strange from this fresh aspect, that I had been like to think that I did see a new monster. For in truth, when I did come at last to creep to within a mile of it, among the low moss-bushes, I was confounded that the mighty chin did come forward towards the great redoubt, even as the upward part of a vast cliff, which the sea doth make hollow about the bottom. For it did hang out into the air above the glare of the fire from the red pit, as it had been a thing of rock, all scored and beweathered, and dull red, and seeming burned and blasted by reason of the bloody shine that beat upward from the deep of the red pit. And by the way in which I do tell upon it, you shall know that I did surely view it something from the side at this immediate time, for in truth it was then that I did draw the nearer, 
and moreover I was the more astonished at this viewing than I had been to the front, for it was so utter strange and shapen so different from the brute that did hang in my memory. And a great time I did lie there upon my belly, and shaken by a fear of the beast, yet emboldened, as you may conceive, by having come to the side, and being hopeful in my heart that I was very secure within so great a shadow and the thick sheltering of the moss-bushes. And surely it was that I did creep more nigh, the while that I did look, for presently I had a very plain seeing of the great monster, and did know where I had gotten to, and thereby did acknowledge unto myself that this was an utter foolishness, and like, for all that any might say, to lead unto destruction. Yet, as all must know, there was the first fear, and the ceasing of this fear, as I did wot that I was so little a thing to heed out there in the shadows. And presently a gaining of courage, and the prick of my being that did crave to see clear this exceeding wonder. And so was I come close, more or less, having gone far upon my hands and knees, yet sometimes to pause, but afterwards on again. Now by this nearness I was the more truly able to perceive how that the bulk of the watcher did rise up into the night like a hill, and the colour was mostly black, save and indeed where it did face to the red shine of the pit, and concerning this I have done telling. And so did I lie there and stare a great while, parting a small hole in the moss-bushes that I might spy through the same. And the thing was squat there, and might have root within the earth so it did seem to mine imaginings, as I did stare with a dumb wonder. And there were monstrous warts upon the thing, and indents, and a mighty ruggedness and lumpings, as it were that it did be pimpled with great boulders that were inbred within that monstrous hide. And where the shine from the pit of red fire did strike upon these, they did stand out into the darkness away from the skin as you of this age shall see mountains of the moon catch a bright fire from the sun, and show plain upon the night of the moon. Now as I have set down, I did lie there and look a great while, and it came presently to me that there was unease within the mighty pyramid among the millions, for I did feel the ether of the world to be disturbed by their distress, and so had a knowing that they had a cunning wareness concerning the place where I did hide among the moss-bushes and the thrilling in the night did bring a wisdom unto my head, for in verity, as I have said, this was a foolish matter that I was upon. And I get a thought that the watcher might have an awareness of the trouble of the multitudes, and indeed, for all that I did know, it had a full knowledge of all my wandering, though concerning this I did think otherwise truly in my heart, as is a most human and proper way to make comfortable the spirit, where doubt can have no ease from reason. And I made that I go backwards to a good distance from the watcher, and go forward again upon my journeying, if but that I come safe from so unwise an adventuring. And as I did begin to return, it was to me as that all my senses were newly awake, for I had a sudden knowing that I was within the atmosphere, should I not call it, of the monster and I get an abrupt and horrid shaking of the spirit, for I did feel in verity that my soul had come to an eye, and that the beast had a sure knowledge concerning me, yet did make to my destruction with no haste, 
but after that way and fashion that did seem proper unto it. And this feeling you shall understand the better, maybe, when I do tell that it was to me as that the air all about me was full of a quiet and steadfast life and keen intelligence that I did believe to come forth from the watcher on every side, so that I did feel as one already within the gaze of some great and evil power. Yet though I had a great terror upon me, I made no foolish haste, but commanded my soul to courage, and put a guard upon my way of going, and so made a very quiet journey for maybe two full miles, and afterwards did allow myself something more of haste, for I was now grown easier in my spirit and felt apart from the spirit of the great watcher. And after a longer while I did leave that hill of watchfulness to my rear, and was gone onward into the night, yet as may be known with a vague unease and trouble to my heart, and a swift and frequent turning to learn surely that no evil thing came after me. For, as you may know, I could nowise have forgetting concerning that great quiet life which did seem to be living in all the air around that mighty bulk. For it had been all about me in the night, as I have told, and I to feel that I had been surely discovered, and thus shall you know how shaken was my spirit in verity. Now presently, at the eighteenth hour of that day's travel, I ceased from my journeying, that I might eat and drink, and I did sit a little while, and look back upon the strange and monstrous thing which I had come beyond. And the great humped back and vast shoulders of the watching thing rose up into the night, black and cumbrous against the red shine of the pit. And thus, as you shall think, had that brute looked always unto the mighty pyramid through eternity, and did cease not from watching, and was steadfast and silent and alone, and none did understand. And after I had eat and drunk some of the water, I went onward for a full matter of six hours more, being minded to have no sleep until I had put a great way between me and the watcher. And in this part of my journey did I come to the place where the silent ones kill, as it was named in the maps. And I observed a very wondrous caution, and went away from it a little unto the north, where I did see at a distance the shinings of the fire-holes, the which did promise me warmth through my slumber. And here you must know that the place where the silent ones kill was an utter bare place, where all did seem of rock, and no bush did seem to grow thereon, so that a man might not come to any hiding, though in truth there might be some hole here or there, yet was none shown in any map within the pyramid, neither did there seem to be any such to me, as I did creep there among the moss-bushes to the northward of the place, and look constant and fearful towards it, so that I should see quickly whether any silent one did move across all the grey quiet of that rocky plain. And concerning this same place where the silent ones kill, it were well to make an explanation how that there was always a little and far-spreaded light over all that lonesomeness, and the light was something grey-seeming, as it were that a lichen might grow upon the rocks, and send out a little uncomfortable glowing, even as certain matters do in these times, if you do but know the place and the time to seek them. Yet was the light exceeding weak, and very cold and dismal, and did seem truly to show naught with assurance so that it did appear to the eye, if one did look fixedly, 
that there were shadows that did move here and there, as it were, of silent beings, and none might know in truth whether this shaping of the grayness was to the clouding of the reason, or that the eye did see of reality. Yet if one did look with the great spy-glass, then might there be some surety and plainness, and likewise was it so if one did have come sufficient anigh to that uncomfortable place, even as I then did be. And so you shall conceive how that I did slide very quiet from bush unto bush, for I had alway in all my life had a very dread fear of this place, and oft did I peer out into the dim grey light of the lonesome plain unto my left, and would think sometimes to perceive the shapes of the silent ones stood vague and watchful, yet on the instant to see nothing. And thus I did go onward, and came presently to a part where the grey plain did stretch out a bareness into the nightland to my front, so that my way ended, unless I did make a long passing round about. And I sat there among the moss-bushes, and did consider, and looked out cunningly through a spy-hole of the bush in which I did sit. And I perceived that the part of the plain which did jut bareness into the land before me had no greatness of size, but might be passed swiftly in but a little running. And this thing should save me a wearisome going round, so that I made to consider it with a serious mind and all the time did I search the bare greyness before me, and saw presently that it was surely empty. And I made to adventure myself across, running very swift, until I had come to the far side. And lo, as I did go to rise up out of the bush, mine eyes were opened, as it were, and I saw that there was something amid the constant greyness, and I fell quickly into the bush, and did sweat very chill, but yet did haste to look and I saw now that there were, in truth, matters that did show vague upon that part of the plain that was before me, and I did peer very constant and anxious, and behold, I saw that there was facing me a great line of quiet and lofty figures, shrouded unto their feet. And they moved not, neither made they any sound, but stood there amid the grayness, and did seem to make an unending watch upon me, so that my heart went into weakness, and I did feel that there was no power of the moss-bushes to hide me, for in verity they that stood so silent were certain of the silent ones, and I was very nigh to the place of destruction. End of chapter 7, part 1